Hi, everybody. Welcome to another FinTech Insider doing an interview here at Klarna in Manhattan. We are with Derek Joyce. Derek, you're the Vice President and General Manager, Global Accounts at Klarna. I looked at that. looks really cool I, on a pink business card. Is business card pink now? We, we don't have business cards. Aw. Sebastian has uh, figured it's Band. antiquated way of doing it. So, yeah, no business cards. It'd be cool if you had a business card when you when you pull it out, it goes smooth. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like it's the O going in there. I'll put in a request. Would you do that? Say Sam said do that. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for being here. Things are always moving and crazy at Klarna, and it's nice to have you in the office to come speak with us. Well, let's talk about Klarna a little bit in your role. So, one, we kind of gave the job title, but what does it really mean? What do you do day to day? Uh, to answer that, probably take a quick step back and talk about our operating model because at Klarna, we're a little bit different than the average large company. And so last year, uh, to accelerate the growth, we actually deconstructed our entire operating model and built about 300 startups within the company. And they're designed to help us scale and solve problems effectively across a myriad of things. If you think about a traditional business, they do a few things. The priorities get done, the little ones don't. So in this one, we push the accountability down and all of the teams basically own their opportunity or problem statements. And so what my teams do is we own the relationships with our largest global merchants. These are the category killers and large global merchants that uh, everyone loves to deal with. Um, And so we have the end-to-end accountability for them. That starts with from a new sales perspective through to our solutions team that will work out how we integrate with them into the integrations team, into account management, and also the end-to-end functions like marketing, legal, and uh, analytics. So what's different about that is that we don't have anywhere to hide if it doesn't go well. Uh, Accountability sits firmly with us, and we can't say, oh, I couldn't get a resource. So all those things I've heard so many times over the career, oh, I would have won this, but you know, we, we couldn't get the tech teams on both. We have full, uh, full accountability and ownership to get out and do everything we need to do to win and make these large global merchants happy. Yeah, transparency is a really good thing. Transparency with pressure, when you can really see those touch points, is a whole different model. Yeah, there is, there is uh, nowhere to say, oh, that's not my team which is the usual ethos that you hear out of yeah. corporate America is that this is not my, this is not my responsibility, it's somebody else's. Uh, the accountability sits firmly with the team and that's, that's really good, I think. It's a, it's a nice refreshing change. Yeah, in corporate life, that's usually the, let me get a quick two-day delay in. I'll have to reach out to yeah, get yeah. that. Yeah, let me speak to these six other teams. Then. So, so you have an apartment and a dog and, and you're married, you mm-hmm. live in New York, but you're always on a plane. But you're telling your focus has really been in the U.S. Yeah, and a four-month-old baby. So oh, and a four-month-old baby. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, hence these uh, these bags yeah. and red eyes. Good for you. Um, the focus of, of the entire company is the U.S. Where we're nearly three thousand employees here at Kleiner, and Sebastian, our CEO, uh, says often we've got nearly three thousand employees that are all dedicated to winning in the U.S. And that's the you know I run the the global team, and I somewhat tongue-in-cheek when we say it because the entire globe is. Is important, but number one priority for the the company is to win here in the U.S. So one of the most important things from an 11FS standpoint, and and I love that we put this right at the top of the questions, Laura. That just made my day. <laughs> so David Breer, our CEO, was interviewing Michael with you guys right when he made the announcement about the smooth campaign. Smooth or smooth? Smooth. smooth yeah. It's, does that sound like an idiot? I do. It. <laughs> but but with Mr. Snoop, love the dog. How's that going? It's it's going. Brilliant. I mean, uh, you've seen it everywhere, I'm sure. Yeah. But 
uh, it's been something that, that's really broken through. If you think about today with how much noise there is in the market, it's really hard to actually get a message out there and deliver something like that. And we've seen that we've had engagement from so many different communities, the, the merchant community, the investor community, uh, the fashion and influencer side. And we're actually at a last count that I was shown, 660 million impressions for this on social media globally, of which half of those are in the US. So from a brand perspective, there's a lot more people that know us today uh, with Mr. Snoop than, than didn't know us uh, last month. So we checked right before we started recording, 15 million plus views on YouTube, just on the main. On the coronation video, on of the Snoop. Coronation. Think about how much marketing in this industry has changed in that, and, and I do love Snoop, but <laughs> that the dog is... It can drive that much engagement. Isn't it yeah. just amazing how much we've moved? With, with a relatively small budget. If yeah, you think I about mean, really, some of the, the major players yeah. who are spending hundreds of millions or billions on marketing with a relatively small budget, but just executed in such a different way. Uh, we are nothing but different in the way that we operate. And you need to be today. If you look at all the other banks, all blue doing the same old thing, and finance companies, then you look at us with Pink and Snoop, you cut through that noise. The, uh, you, you were talking about the smooth campaign. I think you've mentioned when you do this live, you bring the dogs in. Is that true? Uh, we, we look to make it interesting, yeah. So oh, some of the, we've got to get some video of that. Yeah. Uh, we, we're in L.A. next week. Yeah. We, uh, we, 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 look to, uh, we look to accent and be authentic throughout our entire experience. Okay, we're going to get back to the business model because the question's on here and I have to. But yeah. We want to, as 11FS wants to commend you, on the move. We're, Thank we're, you. We're proud of the engagement. I think he's a great spokesman for the company. We love it. Um, so on the business model, how much would you agree that payments are moving beyond the transaction? Man, that sounds like a bumper sticker on a car, but it's true. <laughs> would you, and obviously we know you do. Yeah, it's, it's a little cliche, but it sums it up so well. Yeah. And that the, the companies that focus on just that point of transaction are in a race to the bottom. It's going to be a commoditized space and no one is differentiating if you're just playing there. Uh, so for us, it's, it's all about now the end-to-end -end customer journey. You need to optimize and add value across the entire chain. Otherwise, you're going to become irrelevant. Is that how you drive customer loyalty then? Because, I mean, that's Absolutely. key, right? Yeah. That's what it all comes down to the, at the moment is with the changing consumer behaviors. Look at the millennials here in the U.S., not the most loyal people in the world. Go one generation under that. Gen X's, oh, uh, Gen Lord. Z's, sorry, are, uh, yeah, they yeah. are, um, yeah, they bounce. So with that, you retailers thankfully starting to see that they need to get out of just the typical loyalty programs or even worse, heaven forbid, the that discounting hole, which one is never good for your, your margin, two is, is terrible for your brand. So adding value throughout the chain is, is a way to be able to uh, maintain that your brand and your margins. How much do you think that's changed over time? I think you're going to get some old, we're, we're in New York, right? Mm -hmm. We're in Manhattan. I can go a block over and get into a very tall building mm -hmm. and put on a nice suit and sit in a room and I'm going to get a speech that it hasn't changed. Oh, that, I mean, the, the, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, we were either, from a macro trend perspective, either asleep at the wheel or just ignoring it for multiple years. You can't end up in a position where, if you look at the research, it's pretty consensus that two-thirds of millennials don't have a credit card. And if you look at the pace of debit, its growth has multiple X times outpaced the growth of credit in the past uh, 10 or 15 years. So with those trends happening, it's a seismic shift. And what we are starting to realize in the US here is that having just a Visa, MasterCard or Amex logo and, and having a credit card up there is no longer addressing the needs of your consumer because it's not the way that they're behaving now. 
We're, we're a weird market, though. We really are, as, as the American in the room. That's, that's actually an accurate statement. Yeah. The, the, besides Pickles. Pickles is from San Francisco. <laughs> hey, Pickles. So the American, he's agreeing with me. <laughs> we are rather strange in how we adopt mm-hmm. technology when it comes to payments, right? I mean, we've, you know, the, the whole concept around digital wallets and everything else here, how we engage. Um, we, we definitely do love to shop online. No doubt about that. I mean, that's the only place I will shop yep. is online. Right. It's easy. Yeah, I'm the, well, I'm the same. It's convenience, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen the, the impact on retail from a brick and mortar standpoint. I mean, that's obvious mm-hmm. right? as you look across the landscape. Um, do you think that we, do, that we follow the trends maybe from Asia and Europe? Or do you think we are, as consumers, a little bit unique in that standpoint? I think we're starting to get to more of the European way. Yeah, I think uh, so, too. The, the availability and ease of getting credit in this country is, uh, is another topic that we could have a, a, a full session on. Fourth largest debt category. Thank you, student loans, yeah. for not making it third. Exactly right. And, and with that, what, you've, what we're now finding is with the access to information that the new generations have, they don't want to fall into the same debt traps that the, yeah. their parents have. And you know, no longer is it okay, credit card companies have taught us that you have to revolve a full balance and you have to pay a high APR on it. Those days are dead and dying here in the US. And it's more to more of the transactional uh, financing that happens in Europe, which puts us very well placed here to, to come in with 14 years of experience doing it there. Yeah, I, I think actually the, the the younger generations deserve a little ovation for that, yeah. right? <laughs> the the, the un- unwillingness to jump into that that level of debt. Yeah, right. And, and those behavior patterns, and like you said, they they will they look at both the experiences and and the transactions of what they're bringing and what they're acquiring and, and what value they assign to that. But they're willing to look for those deals. They're willing Absolutely. to engage that way. That's mm-hmm. different. Yeah, very, very different than, okay, I have a credit card. I've got five of them. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and that's how I pay. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious that we had the announcement a week or two ago with Goldman and Apple, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and Twitter and, and media lost their mind mm-hmm. on, on, on that. Um, how different it is you know we'll see i mean mm-hmm. nice move uh, yeah. the, the idea of those partnerships which i find interesting because i think from a Klarna standpoint that was something you adopted your trendsetter well done yeah thank you i mean it, it validates some of the disruption the the way are doing to the industry i mean Apple, as they do, they do everything well. Yes, so they, they released it well. But if you look at what they actually released, uh, when we get back to that, is Europe yeah. leading or is US? Some of the, the features that they, they announced uh, with us and other parties through Europe are, are already live, like redoing the credit card statement. Right. That's something that we, we did uh, last year when we launched in that we have SKU-level data populated in there. We have pictures populated in there. It's an interactive experience with merchants build stores. It's, it's a very, very different flow than you're doing business as name, which may not match your actual company name, the date, and the amount, which was the old statement. That's already been done. They've just brought more light to it, which is great. And the other thing they put focused on was control and flexibility. I mean, the Klarna card is called a Klarna card for a reason. It's not a credit card. It's not a debit card. It's not a charge card because the individual has the ability at a transaction level to dictate how they want to classify that transaction. So they may say for you know up to $100 or euros, we'll do that as I'll pay that now, like a debit card. For 100 to 300, I'll pay that later like a charge card and let's revolve it in the above that. And you've already seen ripple on effects of this. If you look at MX's Pay It Planet, uh, yeah. it's essentially the same as our Slice It. It's one transaction point of sale finance. So the industry's starting to change around. 
but it's taking time. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, like you said, you've had years of experience behind this and testing <laughs> this with consumers. And that's that idea of all those old business models, all those old ways you used to engage. Mm-hmm. Who really cares, like you said, if it's a debit, if it's a credit, if it's... <laughs> There really isn't that concern when you're when you're making the transaction. You you actually were on a good point there. Um, the, the consumers don't care. They they care they about being able to manage their financial life, and also situations may change. So what you have in the current environment is it's fixed. If you've put something onto your credit card, it's on your credit card. If you put it onto a charge card, it's on a charge card. With Klarna's uh, environment, our app, you actually as a consumer can go in if situations change and say, I want to snooze this payment for 30 days or I want to take this one transaction. I want to actually revolve that because that's better for me. And so giving that customer choice is a massive differentiator for us versus what everyone else is doing. How much do you think the UX is a differentiator too? Because even the terminology you're using is different when you talked about the app, right? Yeah. That, you know, snooze this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that common terminology you get. Yeah, when you're dealing with a bank, who for wants example. to engage in that way? Let's talk no. to people and let's make it fun. Uh, so it's very, very different. But even if you take that UX one step back, it's about how companies, how we're thinking about engaging. So I spent better part of a, a decade of my life at Amex, and what we learn is that the schemes are focused nearly solely on at that stage, involved a little now, but not a great deal. But uh, on making sure that they are top of wallet. On the checkout page. Oh my God, that was everything. Right? That was that was yeah. the the business. That God. was what the the, the golden uh, egg was being the top of the wallet, right. and or adding you know pay a couple of million dollars and get yourself a button on the checkout page. My argument there is that you haven't actually added any value to a consumer or a merchant. If you think about what's happened, you've just basically put yourself in at the, the last stage to increase your spend. What you need to do is be upstream. That is where you affect behavior. You're affected at point of decision, not point of purchase. Right. So if you think about our a couple of our products that we have, our, our pay and for product, which is built for the millennials here in the US, and it's really about affordability. It's taking a transaction, splitting it on four biweekly payments on your own card, be it debit or credit, and that way you can split it up and you've got affordability. If you message that upstream that someone has the ability to do that, it's going to influence their behavior that they, oh, I can actually afford that dress or I can actually afford two. Uh, versus if I put that message to paying for in the checkout, you've already made your decision. You're just going to complete the checkout. The other one is our pay later product where you don't actually put any payment credentials in and you pay us in 30 days later. Uh, What happens there is you drive customer acquisition because if someone's not sure about the the product, they won't put it in their cart. But if it's a risk-free trial on it, then you'll put it in there and you'll actually execute the transaction. So... Thinking about it in that way is just completely different to how the traditional players have. Um, but if we go through the entire checkout uh, place, actually the UX at the point of purchase, we've also done such a different job versus the even the new fintech players. If we continue on with that pay and for product, uh, with the competition, it's not in line. So you actually need to leave the merchant website, similar to PayPal, where you punch out to uh, uh, the customer's uh, or the company's website. And from there, you need to actually open an account, which means you need to duplicate the amount of information that you provide and add some things like your date of birth as well. And from there, you get a one-time password to verify that it's you, right. et cetera. Then you go back and you can pay in full. With our product, it's in line. It's easy to understand on the page. You enter the, the details as you would for your uh, credit or debit card, press checkout, and you're done. Next time you come back, that information is stored as one-click checkout. So even with the fintech providers, our UX is very different to what they are based on the fact that we've 
decade plus have been doing this and we're allergic to accounts and things like that, uh, just from our history. And then post-purchase we've talked a bit about, but it's, it's making sure that the entire journey is completely optimized to make sure that the consumer and the merchants aren't wasting time. I mean, it gets back to a point you made earlier. I mean, one, thinking differently mm -hmm. about this, right? You're not thinking about product lines yeah. per se, right? You're thinking, how does the customer engage? What is it they're doing? Mm -hmm. We call it jobs to be done, and we hammer that like crazy. But that's really what it is. Yeah. What are they trying to do? Yeah. What are they trying to get through? Mm -hmm. And what's the simplest path for them? Mm -hmm. You said something, and um, I thought it, it stuck with me. You know, you really want to drive customer loyalty, add value. Exactly right. I mean, yeah. It, it, but you also have to think about the entire ecosystem for me. So yeah, let's indeed. take something that hasn't evolved. We've talked about the credit card statement that hasn't evolved in, in decades. Returns. If you think about the normal returns process, you return an item and then in days or weeks, that money then goes back to your, your card. If you look at our millennial base that might live paycheck to paycheck at the moment, that's closed down their entire open to buy. And so what that means is if they go into a store, so if you talk about the omni-channel experience now, you bought online, but you want to return in store. It's a massive upsell moment for a merchant that's lost because they don't actually have the availability of the right. funds to do it. You take someone like us, the way we think about it, we'll do a reverse credit decision on someone if they tell us they have the intent to return it. We'll say, okay, we'll take it off your account and you can do that. You can then spend. So what that means is when they go into that store, if they're on the online, they know they are able to purchase something else. In that instance, you've added value to a consumer because you haven't tied their money up and you've added value to the merchant because you've given them an opportunity to get some more revenue out of that consumer. Whereas the traditional way to do it is, as I said, days or weeks later, you get your money back and then you go and shop somewhere else. Yeah, it's funny that in the traditional model, and, and a lot of it was the legacy systems that sat behind mm -hmm. it and how, they, how you were doing the ledgers and, and money movement. Mm -hmm. But it's so funny as a consumer because you knew that's what was happening, but you couldn't say why. Yeah. Right. You just mm -hmm. tell your kids, yeah, if you return that, we're screwed for a couple of days, right? I mean, yeah. it's not going to see it. And in this day and age, none of us have the patient, right? I mean, <laughs> we can instantly move anything in real time except, except, <laughs> except, yeah, except money. Well, with right? Klarna, you can. Yeah, there you go. But, but it's solving that problem, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that goes back to our, our operating model. When I mentioned right. it earlier, we have teams that are dedicated just to returns. Whereas in a normal business, you don't get to that level of detail because there's bigger problems to solve potentially. Whereas here, there's teams that their sole mission is to make that experience the best experience. And that's why we're able to build out these new UX products in such a fast fashion, because we have that delineation of accountability across the board. Yeah, we're, we're a weird country. I keep saying that about <laughs> the US, but we are. We're a little bit strange. I mean, our our debt right now, I think we hit an all-time high. I think it was $841 billion. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I remember this, I was listening to the podcast mm -hmm. on the way over here. But I believe that's right. About yeah. $841 billion, all-time high. And yet, I think if you looked at demographics mm -hmm. of where that those debt categories sit, mm -hmm. I, I think you are seeing in, in uh, we'll keep saying millennials, but in that younger generation, this unwillingness to, to, to have that credit card debt. Average credit card debt in the U.S. somewhere around fifty-five, fifty-seven hundred, if I remember right. But no, sorry. changing that behavior, yeah. right? And, I mean, and thankfully, the the law regulation is also catching up with this uh, slowly, behind, slowly, though, slowly. Yeah. But if you if you think about the fact you can no longer promote credit cards on college campuses, yeah, that for me is a step forward because you're not putting him into that. You're not promoting that that debt 
so early right. um, or so aggressively when they're in a vulnerable moment. Um, but the change in behavior is definitely occurring where they don't want to be tied into higher APR, yeah. a shiny upfront bonus, but then a higher APR in the back end if they do it. They want more of a transactional but ongoing transactional relationship where they have that control. And uh, that is something that is definitely changing in this country slowly, but it, it looks like the pace of that change is definitely increasing. Yeah, we've tap danced all around this question. And Laura, this is a great question, by the way, but by default, we've been talking about it. So the question initially was, how much would you say customers controlling their own financial lives is becoming increasingly important? Yeah. We addressed that. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting. That sounds really simple, right? Help customers save and everything else. But it's actually really simple is hard. There's the, <laughs> yeah. the Apple quote. Yeah. But it's a good quote. Yeah. And I agree with that. So, and I think you've talked about this a little bit, but how do, how do you, as a company innovate to accommodate consumers actually owning their own financial lives. Yeah. And I think you've talked about that in a couple of respects. D- does it help with having, what'd you say, 3,000 different <laughs> It does help because at the end of the day, the access to information that people have these days and the availability of choice they have is increasing. So naturally, right. there's going to be a change. But there's also a resistance in the industry because of just if you've got so established undoing those processes and or undoing those revenue streams is a very hard thing to do. That's the yeah, reason a why, bit. Little yeah. bit, and why fintechs are, are, are a, a necessary change in the ecosystem because they're driving that change across the board. And yeah, it, it's having giving them that control across the entire and that information across the entire ecosystem is what's going to differentiate in future. If you're not doing that, you're going to be, as I said, commoditized in a race to the bottom. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> we, we, we've touched on the merchant side, and we've definitely focused a lot on the consumers, but let's talk about um, the merchant side and these small to medium-sized businesses, because mm-hmm. that's really the, oh, God, I'm going to sound like a commercial, Gro- the heartbeat yeah. of the United yeah. States, yeah. but it's true. Yeah. And and so, I mean, and you've been doing this as a company for quite a while, right? I mean, I know you've had relationships like with Shopify, mm-hmm. for example. So, Talk a little bit about the lift that you bring in those partnerships. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a great way. The, the PSPs, the plugins, the platforms are a great way uh, for us to drive mutual value to each other. So with them, they get the localized payment methods to make them relevant uh, that the merchants want and the consumers want. And it increases their uh, NPS, if you want to guess that, with the merchants. And with us, it drives scale. So getting out and actually having... Uh, conversations with the millions of small merchants that are out there and small businesses is not effective to do and scale from a sales team perspective. So it's a great win-win situation in which we can enable our, our products to get distribution. They can enable a great revenue stream. Let's face it, the, those companies also get a, a better margin out of the transactions with us than Slightly. they do with uh, than the traditional credit card products. So everyone is winning. And it's for us, it's a, it's a massive focus. We love the partners. It's, it's something that we've embraced and more and more in the past few years under, under Michael, who's come in as our chief commercial officer and really driven that agenda of if we're going to grow and scale effectively, we need to be in the ecosystem and partnering with the key players and, that are also growing like crazy. Look at Shopify. Yeah. It's, uh, it's imperative, though, that you make that easy because is, this is mm-hmm. the technology solution mm-hmm. at yeah. the end of the day, and it can be intimidating so it gets back to that how easy is it to integrate yeah i think you talked a little bit about that at the beginning right the way your team structures yeah. are for your- we, we uh across any one of our integrations make it easier you bring up shopify it takes 30 seconds for a wizard if you're a merchant you open up a wizard you click the buttons and you're through and you're done so you can be enabled to accept all of these uh payment methods uh through a couple of clicks 
um, from that up to our, our full global merchants, we have something different than anyone else as well in that one integration gets you all of our countries, all of our products, and all of our channels. So you can accept online, offline, telesales. You can have uh, support in Germany, which is a local method there, financing in the UK and, and paying for here in the US, all through one integration if you're a large global merchant. So you no longer have to do 10 years of tech queues to get these 10 com- countries done. You do it all in one go. So we, again, back to your point, you have to make it easy. If you're not doing that, then you're not going to get the growth. And after 14 years, we're still growing at uh, over 30%. That's because of things like that. It's a nice brag metric. It's a brag metric. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nice, <laughs> very good yeah. brag metric. All right, so this is a question that we ask everybody that we interview. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that we do this. This is a nice little series. We need a blog post on this. <laughs> Learnings you've gained over your career. So you've had an interesting career, right? Like yeah. you said, you were at Amex. You've been on that side <laughs> of the house now with Klarna. So if you could look back, let's say, five or ten years, mm-hmm. what are some of those key learnings where for some of the folks that are listening yeah. just get into this my, that you tell them? My, my people in Nome might argue this point, but I think patience. If you look particularly with the new generations that are coming through, it's all about what's next instead of actually enjoying the moment that you're in and taking those learnings. If you don't do that, you one, you're going to miss an opportunity to, to learn something new and enjoy the moment, but two, it's going to be a blink of an eye and the years go by and you haven't actually enjoyed yourself. So enjoy the now, learn from it, and then don't be too worried about what's coming next. I think the reality of um, working in an environment like this, we were joking, we were getting a cup of coffee and an Earl Grey tea right before we started, but we were both talking about our, our, our past careers in this space. And this, this type of work actually is really hard, right? It looks really cool because you have a great, you know, pullover and in the summer you go with shorts and I'm wearing yep. a sweatshirt. So it does look really cool from the outside. The reality is it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. I mean, it really is yeah, the, to, to make this work. Yeah. The, the reality is we move at a pace that is just not typical. Uh, if I think about the, the nearly three years that I've been here, in, in no disrespect to my old uh, careers and paths, but I have learned and done more in the last three years than in the nine years before that, just because of the pace that things move at and the pace you need to move at in order to survive. So yeah. it, it's fun, it's interesting, but it's definitely a ride. So we got reflect and enjoy the moment mm-hmm. and, and, and realize where you're at. So a little bit more detail of a question, career advice. I always mm-hmm. love the career advice question. Yeah. What's the best career advice you've been given or you've given out other than enjoy yeah. the moment? It's, Mine's bring a pig. Bring a everywhere pig. You go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a pig to bring, so I'll have to have to think about well, something we can else. Help with that. Yeah, um, I, I think it's it's to be authentic to yourself and to follow your passions. If you don't do that, you're going to very quickly find yourself in a situation where you're not uh, not super happy. I mean, my biggest example of that is is I won't date myself, but quite a few years ago when I did college or university, if you were Australian, um, I started on an accounting degree because that's what I was told, you know, accounts make money, this is, the, this is what you should do. I got two years into it and was doing fine, but realized I wasn't really turned up to class and wasn't that happy with it. And if I continued down that road, then I probably wouldn't be the happiest. And so I changed my major and went into uh, management and marketing with a business degree. And it was the best thing for me because my engagement level shot up. I think that business is the same. If you're not doing something you're passionate about, you're not going to put that energy into it. And you're not going to get the output out. 
I can assure you if I stayed in the accounting lane, I would still be somewhere in Australia. Not that it's a bad thing, but I wouldn't be sitting here with you in New York and had the career that I've had because I wouldn't have been passionate about it. I wouldn't have been happy. I'll make my daughter watch that. Alex, that's just for you. That was, that was spot on. I agree with that. So this is, a, this is a tough question. So other than a coronation for Snoop, what's next for Klarna? Oh, we're going to win here in the U.S. I mean, we've already started that journey. And that's, there you go. Good that, statement. That's, uh, that's the, the short term. I say it short term because we're already there. And then apart from that, we're going to continue taking over the world. That's a, that's a good goal because mm-hmm. the reality is from, from a U.S. market standpoint, mm-hmm. if you can achieve success here. Yeah done it yeah and and we're we're already doing that so uh taking over it next and then going on so where's the best place to learn more about Klarna what you're doing Mm -hmm. and where you're going in the U.S. Klarna.com uh everywhere around the world Klarna dot uh, end of URL. <laughs> Klarna, <Klarna> dot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there is always things posted about us uh, online. So if you uh, just search Klarna, there is plenty of news stories. We're forever releasing new things like our open banking platform last week. If you go back a few weeks before that, there was other partnerships. We're always moving and doing something. So it just if you looked at it a month ago. There's probably something new there if you look at it again. Oh, perfect. Well, Derek, thank you. I thank really you very appreciate much. It. Thank you for joining us for another FinTech Insider interview series. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at FinTech Insiders. If you like what you heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Give us a five-star review. If you didn't like what you heard this week, I have no clue what's wrong with you because it was me. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please reach out to Twitter. And you can email us at podcast at 11fs.com. Thank you all very much. 